Okay, I think we're running. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Uh, wherever you are in the world, welcome to Free Association. Uh, this is another technology show. I'm not sure exactly what I'm going to be doing with it yet. I just thought it's quarter past 11 on a Friday evening and I should probably do a radio show. Uh, it'll do as a warm-up for tomorrow, if nothing else. I've got an hour short to do tomorrow afternoon, so I may use this as a warm-up. Just to see what's going on on BitChute. And maybe the science and technology section will have something in that's worth playing. I'm hoping that's the case. some stuff about Linux on here and some things about Tesla right this one looks like it might be interesting some movies so I'll play the first 20 minutes half an hour and see how it goes third eye spies CIA, CIA psychic spying Looks like it might be right up my street, so let's have a listen anyway.
this is marker 700. So indeed, indeed, Passgrave is entirely unmarked. I, I think he deserves better than that. This is probably my last opportunity to say goodbye to my good friend Pat. Pat Price often said, the more attention you place on hiding something, the more it shines like a beacon in psychic space. Pat Price died in 1975, and some people believe it was because of his work with remote viewing. Psychic spies, Cold War whimsy, or secret weapon? Some people may have certain psychic powers. This may reassure you, it may alarm you, but in fact, for some years now, the U.S. intelligence community has wagered a modest amount of money on the possibility that such powers do exist. Possibility. Such powers do exist. But the most enduring experiments have been in the field of remote viewing. We got into it when we discovered that they were in it. We found that many individuals are able to accurately describe what's going on in distant locations, blocked from any kind of ordinary perception. Are you saying that the work you've been doing is classified? I really can't talk about uh, matters of classification, as you can imagine. My name is Russell Targ, and I'm a physicist.
Now, when you when you told me that you were interested in using uh, classified materials, that you were eager to get them out, and you were, uh, I was principally concerned for you. And our family, no and, doubt. No, no doubt. Uh, we received a letter uh, from the CIA and said, uh, sorry, not now, but later. The said, well, Nicholas, I'm just going to publish the, the book. And I just thought that what could be more important than to help my father, one, get the documents that uh, he was seeking, but also to help make sure that he stayed out of jail. Uh, so that all seemed like a, a very worthwhile uh, enterprise. Yeah, very good thinking. And I then contacted the congresswoman in um, Palo Alto, and she submitted a letter uh, on your behalf as well. Oh, that's very nice. I didn't know that. Several months later, uh, the CIA released the documents that we had requested. And you were able to tell me the story in full detail. If I taught you to expect a miracle, it's been worthwhile. With the floodgates now open, an additional 70,000 documents on remote viewing were declassified. I can now show everybody these pictures without having to kill them afterwards. You can actually take out of thin air information about something you have absolutely no access to, just using your mind. If we want to know why the CIA was lying about our program, perhaps we should go to Detroit and talk to Kit Green, our former contract monitor. He was branch chief of the Life Sciences Division at CIA. I was given the results. The drawings showed the ability of a visual representation that appeared to be better than overhead imagery. In Pat Price's drawings, it was as if it was from inside his brain that the information was coming, not from his eyeballs overhead looking down. It was obvious to any intelligence organization that if you had an ability to be able to remotely perceive stuff, really remotely, like any place in the world, that could be an extraordinary intelligence source. The remote viewing program basically ran from the early 70s to the mid-90s. For more than 20 years, the CIA used psychic abilities operationally and in a top-secret program for the U.S. government. You paid for them. You deserve to see them. CIA had said cease and desist. People said, this stuff is so intriguing that we got back into the game. Once found a guy that could see anywhere in the world through his psychic powers. We could show him a picture of any place and he could describe any activity going on there. But he died, and we haven't heard from him since. CIA Director Stansfield Turner, Chicago Tribune, August 1977. So I believe when he died, he was out in Las Vegas or something, and, and uh, Kit Green rushed out there. Even though he died unattended in a hotel room, you don't need to make it a medical examiner case. Although that's not correct. And he was taken to the emergency room, which I visited. Speaking now as a 
criminologist, I would have investigated the hell out of it. But the water's a little bit murky. So I'm going to change to a bigger fly that they can see better. and release only. The cutthroats are now pretty endangered, so you can't keep them. Where the rat is, it's like his throat's been cut. Yeah. Kent Kress was a long-term contract monitor at CIA. He was a physicist. Kent Kress became a mythic figure when he wrote a long paper in Annals of Intelligence describing our program, but he's never come forward. Kress had never been interviewed before this film, and every question we asked had to be submitted for vetting by the CIA. I was undercover. Uh, the fact that CIA was even doing anything with SRI was uh, confidential information. So Sid Gottlieb looked around, came up with my name because I was a physicist, and he called me in and he said, well, I'd like you to take over this project. And he said, the reason is, is there's two physicists at SRI. And I think you three can probably communicate. The first series of experiments here at Stanford Research Institute were what the scientists called remote viewing. For example, here's a reenactment of one of the first experiments last year. The subject was a New York artist named Ingo Swan. He was in the room. The experimenters, Dr. Harold Putoff and Russell Targ, were driving away in a car. Their destination was in a sealed envelope. This day it was Palo Alto City Hall. The subject did not know. But back in the room, the subject began sketching and describing where he imagined they might be. Here was the tape recording that he made then. There must be buildings around in this sort of an area, enclosed of some sort, a quadrangle or a quad. And then I sort of felt that there might be a fountain around, but I didn't hear any water in it. There is a fountain. That day, it was turned off. Back in the room, the subject sketched a pattern he thought was crosswalks coming together in a circle. In fact, the courtyard is paved in this pattern. The courtyard where they were is two miles from the room where the subject was. There had been no communication between them. Somehow or another, Kick Green and Ingo got together. And I, but Kick had a, came up with a report, and he sent this back, circulating through CIA, and eventually got to Sid Gottlieb. Gottlieb was already predisposed to look at the psychic phenomena from 10 years ago. As the CIA's sorcerer, Gottlieb attempted to raise assassination to an art form. Out of his labs had come many debilitating potions. We knew who Sid Gottlieb was. He was the director of the famous MKUltra program. This is by 1974. MKUltra was the CIA's notorious mind control program in the 1950s and 60s, where they were giving LSD to people to see if you could create a Manchurian candidate and strip away their memories. We considered him sort of the Joseph Mengele of the American side. Mengele, of course, was a notorious Nazi physician who did 
biological experiments on Jewish prisoners. Gottlieb was not doing that. Gottlieb, of course, is Jewish. He's just torturing other people, independent of race or religion. He's sort of equal opportunity misanthrope. From my point of view, he reminded me of my old uncle Sid. When he died, he was on Las Vegas or something. In early 1972, I briefed NASA and the CIA on proposed experiments to help people develop their psychic abilities. Well, Helen, I thought it would be very interesting to meet with Sid Gottlieb. He was enthusiastic about the idea of giving remote viewers LSD as a way of enhancing their psychic abilities. I was opposed to that. Remote viewing requires the person's conscious cooperation, and we explained that to Gottlieb, and he seemed to completely understand. So he led us down into the basement of the Pentagon, and it seemed to us that he was sort of stored in the basement with all of his books. The only really comfortable place we'd ever been in the CIA. The idea, after talking to Gottlieb, that the decision to give us money to go forward probably had already been made. Reports that the Soviets were using psychics to spy on us prompted us to do the same to them. There was intelligence, hard intelligence. I mean, intelligence that was like really, really good internal program intelligence about what the Soviets were doing in, in medicine and, and psychology that stated that they believed that United States military, United States intelligence officers, and United States scientists would be ripe for recruitment as spies if they were interested in crazy things like psychic research, remote viewing, and parapsychology. And they would tell their government people that were responsible for doing recruiting and so forth, hey, if you want to find somebody in a Washington, D.C. area that might be pretty interesting, find somebody that spends their time doing psychic research. They must have been following Russ around constantly then. It's natural for a visually handicapped person like me to be interested in optics, magic, and extrasensory perception. I'm a legally blind motorcycle riding physicist. In 1934, I was born in Chicago. I was a child magician. I used to perform magic tricks at birthday parties and art openings. As a magician, I understand how people can be tricked. That's always made me a better researcher, especially in a field like ESP. I left graduate school at Columbia in 1956, and in 1958, I began working on the earliest development of the laser. I was looking for a way to get into some kind of psychical research and still support my family. Russell was enthusiastic, and Hal was uh, more like what you would expect a theoretician to be. But they both came across as, you know, physicists. I heard that there was going to be a lecture at Stanford University, and there was a young physicist, Hal Putoff, giving a lecture on psychic discoveries behind the Iron Curtain, American and Russian ESP. And I then went back and talked to my new friend, Hal Putoff, and said, I think I got some dough. 
Let's talk to your management about creating a program. And he said that would be very nice. You just have to promise that your people low profile. So that was in June of 1972. And this led to the beginning of our program at SRI to investigate psychic abilities. I look forward to coming to work. Every day had a new miracle. I feel like the child magician finally got a job doing magic. As we were doing these experiments, we began to run into flack from the psychologists at SRI. They said, you know, you've got that crazy ESP experiments going on. That's going to ruin our reputation. We're going to lose our fun and get rid of those guys. Pal had worked for several years in naval intelligence in Washington, and that may have made him a little more secretive indeed. I had access to... Uh, one of the most shielded experiments on the planet. It was a shielded magnetometer that measures weak magnetic fields. Against his better judgment, Hal snuck his very first subject into a forbidden lab at Stanford. The man claimed to be the greatest psychic in the world, and his name was Ingo Swan. Swan claimed that he could move the needle of an unswayable magnetometer buried under 30 feet of concrete with a classified design used to sniff out nuclear explosions. It even had superconducting shielding. Its claim to fame was that nothing from the outside could affect it. Not only could Ingo perfectly sketch the design, but the needle moved, and nearly got them kicked out of Stanford for breaking the experiment. And that got the attention of the CIA. I asked the CIA agents, uh, you know, why, why are you looking me up? He says, well, we couldn't care less about the fact that he perturbed that magnetometer, but the fact that he could look through superconducting shielding and see what was inside, that is really a concern. In a way, I can understand other people's uh, response to our work. If someone had come up and told me four years ago the kinds of things I'm now telling people, uh, I think I would have been skeptical also. When I first met Ingo, of course, he was coming out with his claim of, quote, being a psychic. And at that time, before I started seeing results, I was very skeptical. And he was very confident. The psychic is a kind of remote sensing device, and that I think has a contribution to make to both science and humanity. To understand Ingo, I, I think you have to see a creative, highly intelligent, deeply wounded man who found in remote viewing a pathway to the acclaim that he sought. We might do an experiment that looked like a really good outcome, and he would say, no, 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 this, this is not so good, and he would come up with some loophole. And so he would say, look, if we take credit for an experiment, and then someone can come along later and find some loophole or some false positive, uh, then they'll reject it, and then even when we do good experiments, they'll reject it. He told me a story. He was a homosexual, which doesn't matter. I mean, who cares? But it mattered to him because he told me a story, which I've never forgotten, of being beaten up by a bunch of boys who he liked and admired when he was a youth. And I think he, he wanted to be acknowledged I've often recovered many of the thoughts about existence I had as a child. A major one of these was the separation of consciousness from the body, which was very real when I was 
child. This kind of thing happens in art. Uh, I believe and always have believed, and I've returned to it many times in my life, that I am not this body in terms of consciousness, and consciousness can go places where the body cannot. It was very important to him to be validated by SRI. SRI was the first lab of a different order of magnitude from all prior parapsychological research. What SRI was always upset about is that during our day here, we brought in 1% of the money and 99% of the publicity. Back in 1972, SRI was primarily uh, a contractor for the government and some industry. With the riots in the late 60s and the 70s, uh, the fact that classified work was going at Stanford University, uh, they didn't like that. Up until that time, most parapsychological research was done by small foundations on minuscule budgets operating in a corner of some basement. At SRI, the level of classification was uh, top secret. It took a long time to get the security clearance. You can't walk around. You have to be escorted because of the secret projects. Full of high-class scientific equipment, beeping and showing on the cathode ray tubes and all that. And when Russell and Al got positioned there, it had a big impact. And on Ingo, it had a particularly big impact because the work that he did at SRI drew a lot of attention. To be in that kind of laboratory, they must be very important and really have a grasp of the truth. So you guys had a psychological procedure in the neighborhood thing, as it were, that was fantastic. And I think that's partially why you got such damn good results. And all of them succeeded in remote viewing. do not know how. And so maybe one of the most important things about the work done here is that it has been published in one of the most conservative and prestigious scientific journals in the world with this note. Few readers will finish without wondering for at least a moment if indeed ESP might be possible after all. What a difference that would make to us all. That's for NBC News, Stanford Research Institute, California. father of remote viewing in the modern era. Before Ingo, people were describing the picture in the envelope. Square. All right, so that's uh, Third Eye Spies. Uh, it's uh, an hour and a half, I think, altogether. That's nearly two hours altogether. And that was the first 25 minutes of it. I think that's enough to be going on with. I may well use that tomorrow as part of the show, or at least part part of it. Or I might listen to the rest of it, watch the rest of it tomorrow morning, and then see, see if there's another part of the, the movie that I can use. But it's right up my street. Remote viewing is something I'm interested in anyway. And... Uh, 
I don't know whether I'd want to get into remote viewing, but I want to at least have a go at it, I think. So I need to find somebody who's doing that sort of work and, and see see how it can happen. Alright, that's it for now. Thanks for listening. And I'll see you again tomorrow.